You're listening to the Digital Communicators Podcast, helping comms professionals stay one step ahead of all things digital and social media. Here are your hosts, Amanda, Raj, Mark, and Tim. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to to, uh, the podcast. As usual, we've got the usual suspects, Tim, Roger, and Amanda. Um, Thanks for joining us, folks. Um, Today, we're looking at content and channel strategy. It's something that's uh, very close to all of us and something that we all should consider. But what's the importance of a, a content and channel strategy? Good question. Over to you, Amanda. Got all the answers, um, Mark. Um, I did want to just start by, um, I guess, breaking down between us what the difference is. I think from my perspective, most organisations will have a content strategy or communication strategy that will outline, you know, what they want to say to who, but they won't necessarily have the channel strategy that's guiding the development of platforms and channels and how they're trying to build those and use them. Um, But that's sort of been my experience. Mark, is that what you mean when you talk about channel strategy? Yes, it is, because really the content strategy defines the channel strategy, not the other way around. And that's the critical thing. So you've got to have a content strategy in place first to allow you to uh, define what the the channel strategy is going to be in the long run. Yeah, I think um, that's not... I don't think that many organizations have that in a mature way. So I think it's really good to talk about it today. And, you know, especially building on our last conversation about the changing nature of platforms to be able to keep up with that um, and keep pace with changes to social media, let alone the other channels that you use um, is a real challenge. Um, I do think that allowing individuals to focus on um, medium and they'll bring expertise in traditional marketing and in media relations and in digital channels and allowing those to focus but then collaborate to have an integrated one for your organization is really powerful so that you've got that consistent message and voice and tone but you allow room on each of the channels to really tailor things to get the most out of all of it. So Rog, in your experience, are there things that you can do to help you create this uh, channel strategy long term? I mean, situation yeah, analysis, me, Mark, building on what Amanda's, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, from what Amanda was saying, for me, it's about audience, and I think that's where the challenge starts. And so, I'm assuming everyone that's listening has some kind of corporate organizational strategy that everyone is on the same journey together, and they'll have their different functional responsibilities and functional lines. And so, assuming that we've got that north star which is guiding us, the next question for me is all around audience and knowing who we're actually trying to reach to then inform, as you've said just now, your content and channel strategy. So for me, that's the secret sauce. And I think too often we kind of, we look at channels as a bit of a, you know, mixed bag of lollies kind of thing. What, which ones do we need in our bag? And we just go and collect more rather than looking at it through the lens of the audience and saying, well, hang on a minute, who are we trying to reach and for what outcome? Uh, and a classic example of that, Mark, and I'm sure we'll unpack plenty of these as we go along. A classic example is when we, you know, put the inverted commas around the term social media and we go, well, social media is the responsibility of marketing, as an example, or social media is the responsibility of communications. And we bundle all those channels into one and we give the ownership of it to one stakeholder internally. And we're working with a client at the moment where you can you can see just how much relevance and value um, looking at individual social media channels as individual channels um, has far beyond marketing. 
people and culture, sales, intelligence, uh, relationship management, leadership comms, thought leadership and strategy. So I think for me, it's about understanding the audience and knowing who you're trying to reach and for what effect. And then working back from there, as you've rightly said, in terms of content, what do we need to get out there? What messages will resonate and which channels are the most appropriate way to do it? Yeah, and I think that any organization that's doing, i.e. social media in isolation of every other channel is going to fail long term. Tim, where have you been in this uh, position in the past? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the content strategy is really important. I, I've been a lot of places where there's a lot of thought going into the messaging and what the key messages are and what the organization wants to say and just no thought into what the actual content is and, and, and how you're going to get engagement on that content. The other thing I'd say about this is is what happens when you don't have a content strategy or a channel strategy. Often it's just um, it's absolute chaos and your decision-making just isn't there because because you've got no strategy. It's just like everything everything goes out. Everything goes out on all kinds of channels. There's no thought behind it and it, and the what you're doing performs really well. And so um, if you don't have any strategies and you don't think about this stuff beforehand, when your campaigns or whatever you're trying to do comes through, it just all goes out in a scattergun approach. So what I would say is if you don't have these strategies, don't think about the content, um, everything you're doing is kind of a waste of time. It can really fail if you don't think about these things. And I think you have to have to consider that situation analysis right up the front and ask yourself some tough questions. What must change? What, what must stop? It's not always about putting information out. It's about saying, I don't need to communicate that. I don't need to put that out. So I think you've got to ask yourself those tough questions from the start. Amanda? I think that's right, Mark. And that's always one of the hardest things for people who are working in comms or digital comms is knowing when to not say anything. We aren't necessarily the best at that, but making space for you know, others to share messages, particularly if it is in crisis communications. If everyone's talking at the same time, no one's having cut through. So that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I think, you know, content uh, is critical and, uh, and having a plan for that is um, essential, not just so that you can have quality content, but so that you know what you're measuring for effectiveness. And I think that comes a bit back a bit to what Roger was saying about, you know, understanding the depth that you can go into individual channels um, if you want to and if you have the time to invest, um, you know, in in a deep dive in some is that you can really use them not just for communication but to drive connection for your business. And so that can be through recruitment and retention of people or um making new partnerships and connections with other businesses to result in great outcomes. It doesn't always have to be communicating with the public or customers, um, which I think is how we do lump um, this stuff together. And we, we think of it as kind of homogenous, but it, it can be really tailored. Tim? Yeah, one thing I'd say is uh, just thinking about audience. Uh, often in, in organisations, everyone works with uh, an internal audience lens so people are working to make the people in the organization happy so say it's your ceo or someone really important or um internally they're like the biggest audience so that so say the ceo says i need to communicate about x and everyone's like oh my god like the ceo wants to communicate about x this has to be out straight away 
And that's where those, like, if you don't have a strategy or a content strategy or a channel strategy, that's where those things fail because you've got no backup. You can't say, no, actually, it's probably better if this goes out a bit later or you spend some time on it. It's all in, it's, uh, appeasing the internal audiences. And so <laughs> my big thing when I'm working is always thinking about who are actually talking, who is the external audience, um, what's best for them um, and not just thinking about your internal audience. And it means there's often a bit of pushback and you need to explain things and, you know, you need to use data and analytics, which we've talked about. Um, so there's often a big conflict when you're working in communications about your internal stakeholders and trying to keep them happy and actually the external audience and who you're trying to talk to. Yeah, it's all about mapping the channel to that larger story structure. Um, so if you have an, if you think of it as an umbrella, and it's a very simple analogy, but an, um, you know that larger story structure is the umbrella. What what are the spokes that are hanging off that in terms of of the channels? Um, so you know that that's really important uh, from from that point of view. Um, and you mentioned um, metrics uh, briefly, um, but I know Roger was chomp. We'll come to that in a minute. Roger was chomping at the bit to say something. I always trying to get a bit to talk about metrics. Um, no, no, no. I was just going to make a point, and it's really an open question to the group because I think as we talk about channel strategy, one of the things that strikes me is the dramatic amount of change we've seen over the past, call it five or ten years. Um, we've kind of seen that shift away from your traditional, uh, you know, sources of authority, if you want to call them that. Um, those channel sources that are known, tried and tested, and established. And we've seen that shift away from those towards these more emerging channels and social media is a wonderful example of that, but digital channels too, more broadly. And we've seen this proliferation of channels. What I think we're now moving into is this age where um, we're actually seeing a deconstruction of channels as a brand and official source as a way, uh, and away from that to diversified voices. Because when even when we talk about things like, and if you isolate one channel and you say, um, you know, on Instagram, we're talking to X, well, on Instagram, we might be talking to X, but on Instagram, we might have a thousand different voices across an organization who themselves have different stories and different perspectives, and they will resonate with different audiences too, um, in terms of title, functional role, geography, whatever it is. Suddenly, these channels themselves are being fractured and fragmented even more. And so my question to the group, I suppose, is given what Tim was saying about you know the quality of content and the fact that it can be chaos if there's no unified strategy, how do people who are sitting in the digital communications chair look at this ever-growing number of channels and the diversification of voices across their organization away from the brand and CEO and maintain a standard of quality across messaging and delivery? So that all comes back to governance of your content and your channels, um, Roger. And, you know, again, it's more questions about uh, what will be managed uh, who's going to manage it and how is it going to be done? So again, if you keep asking yourselves these questions, you'll you'll set a governance framework that's really important. That's that's my perspective on that. I think as an extension of that, um, there is, you know, definitely um, sort of an internal education piece around helping leaders within your organisation understand the importance of this work and the ability to connect directly to audiences through these channels and the need to be deliberate about content to tailor it in a way that uh, aligns to the channel and the, the audience that you're communicating with there 
uh, and that that might not always kind of um, align very closely with other messages that the organisation would share for internal staff or, or whatever. And there can be, particularly early on, that disconnect between what what digital communicators know that they need to do in these channels to be successful and what the comfort level internally might be in support of that. And Tim gave a really great example of, um, you know, that reactiveness, um, which, you know, obviously people need to be responsive to build trust with their leaders, but you can also build trust by saying, you know, that that isn't what I would recommend and here's why. And if we did it this way, you would get a better outcome. Um, but I'm sort of conscious that, you know, in developing channel strategies and content strategies, you know, we're talking about often small teams with limited resources and you really could spend all of your time on strategies and no time on the content. So I do think it's got to be a balance and investing in that, even in a small way to be deliberate about what channels you're using and who you're speaking to there um, will put you in the right direction um, and that over time you can build and, and sort of deepen your channel strategy. And I think for me, this is where the strategy must, as Mark said, be underpinned by governance. And I really see, and for any digital communicator listening to this podcast right now, I see an enormous opportunity to move into that strategic enabler role for anyone out there at the moment who's struggling with that. This discussion around channel and content is a really good opportunity because as you're saying, Amanda, there's only so much you can do. So you can't be out there fielding you know draft posts from every single person across an organization for every single channel let alone the media requests that come through and the external requests that come through you just can't do it you become a bottleneck way too quickly you'll go insane and you'll leave so instead it's about setting a very clear strategy that respects and understands audience in line with corporate objectives and then works around governance to enable other people to do their job effectively and therefore distributing the opportunities to reach and influence those audiences and you can only do that with if you engage with the other departments in your um, division as well. So, you know, if you're working in social media, you, as we said earlier, you can't isolate yourself to, to it. You need to ensure that across your department, you're meeting with uh, other teams, be it employee comms, be it the media, uh, be it, you know, if uh, whomever it might be across your department, come together and collectively think about what the strategy is, because that will take a lot of the workload away from you individually, but also it will bring greater and better results. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Matt, because if you incorporate people in, into informing your strategy, um, they'll have greater ownership of it. And then I think one of the key things is sort of um, letting people know about your strategy and your content strategy and your channel strategy. So that sort of internal um, communication around it and informing other people is going to help you so much. You know, it, it might mean that you're getting content from other people or other departments. So I would say to communicators, think outside just your small team or, or doing a strategy and saying, yep, that's fine. Or maybe just having one manager approve it, but like, get it, get it up the line and, and communicate about it. And then when things happen and, and it, it goes against your strategy, you can have those conversations. But if, if no one knows about it, then it's very hard to say, actually, it, it doesn't really fit into our strategy that we've developed. Can I ask a question on that, Tim? Do you, just with that practically speaking, I completely agree. 
engaging early and often, I think is a good idea, providing, of course, as Amanda says, you've got the resources to do it because it absolutely builds buy-in and um, a unified approach across teams. When do you do that? Like practically speaking from your experiences, guys, when have you done that and how early? So we're going, we're sitting down and saying, okay, I know I need to update our content strategy or if one doesn't exist, I need to start one from scratch. I'm going to go out there and do my research as much on the external channels as the people internally and what their priorities and needs are. When do you get people involved and how many times do you engage them before that final strategy is delivered and rolled out? So again, I think you do that upfront, um, particularly if you're thinking about reworking your channel strategy or uh, enhancing it some way. So definitely upfront, but it's a it's a continuous thing, Rog. You've got to keep coming back to it um, to ensure that your channel strategy and your content is working. Uh, so we, we get informed by data, uh, the metrics and the data and what have you, to determine that the strategy is working. If it's ticking along nicely and what have you, just let it sit there. But it, you've got to keep the conversations going internally. If you don't keep the conversations going internally, you'll very quickly find out that some message is going out to the media and you've missed it on social media or the internal communications hasn't been um, given a heads up on a piece of communication. So keep the conversations flowing. That's why we work together. Yeah, I, practically speaking, I, I kind of I agree with Mark. They're like th- these conversations are normally happening already, or there's meetings happening, or there's things happening. Um, so you you kind of have to get it all in early, get it into your initial strategy, um, and then keep talking with people. I like tell people that you're developing something or you're working on on something around content and and how we do it and what channels we use and the best way to um, use our communication. Um, and those sort of conversations keep happening, and then. I, I often find is people will talk to other people about it and then people will come and ask you about something. Um, so it sort of just spreads, but you really have to build those relationships um, and keep talking to people for, to make these, these things effective. And it, I think it's also um, just understanding within your organisation, you know, that strategic environment and, and how things happen and that is different for each organisation. Um, and I've worked in quite a risk averse um, environment where we were looking to have um, Facebook and Twitter channels at the time to support interactions with um, key audience groups. And those were grouped by, you know, students and families and older Australians versus um, just having one channel for or, you know, um, one account on Facebook and one account on Twitter that kind of supports the whole department's messaging, for example. Um, And so that was a really deliberate strategy to um, kind of separate those groups, to allow them to have space on these channels, to have conversations that were relevant to them, recognising that students don't really care about the, the issues impacting families and vice versa. They just want to get in, get the information that they need, um, in the place that they already are and then leave. Um, and if we can save them a phone call, then that, that was kind of a job really well done. Um, and so that strategy was consisted of many kind of mini strategies, understanding which one shall we commence with first? What is a low risk group that we should start with? Deliver that and do it really well. Engage with the those you know business areas early to say, 
you know, this is the plan. We think it would work well with you for these reasons. Can we partner together so that you are developing internal partnerships and they do have some buy-in and then over the next couple of years, expanding that into other audience groups and doing it well um, and showing, you know, taking the time to measure and show business impact, which, um, you know, because we didn't rush into all of them, I guess we had time to do that. And at times it was frustrating because we saw the opportunity to do so much more, but in some organizations, the best approach can be chipping away and building trust as you um, build what, what you know needs to be built. And Amanda, when you were working through that, um, as part of your metrics and the data that you would get back, did you set key performance indicators around what you were trying to achieve? We did, and at that time, you know, it was pretty early. So a lot of it was sort of audience growth and reach were the, the key things that you'd um, be hanging your hat on at the time. But we also did some interesting work. So it wanted to make sure that it matched what business needed. And so we found a couple of key opportunities where there were um, either significant policy changes or payment changes that were going to impact people. And um, we used a few methods to track people's journey through social media and to the website and whether or not they transitioned into a call center um, which is which um, they didn't need to and we were hoping to encourage them away from that to save them time and so um, you know we we surveyed um, staff to understand whether or not they'd um, spoken to people who'd already used social media and um, so you know this is sort of probably about 10 years ago now but those were the kinds of methods that we were trying to use to understand you know are we having an impact is what we're putting out reaching the people that we need it to and um yeah we were able to demonstrate success so that you know we went from one year really advocating with business to say you know we'd love to work with you please work with us to them saying we can see a little problem on the horizon um can you help us and that that was a big a really big shift I think for me, Mark, adding to what Amanda's saying there, <clears throat> this idea around what you're measuring is critical. I think even asking the question, and I appreciate what you're saying there, Amanda, about this is you know over a decade ago and measurement wasn't as mature in this space and all that, but you asked the question. And I think the important thing in what you said there is aligned to the organization. Too often we'll see examples where we set the channel strategy and how do we measure the effectiveness of that? Well, we go and look at the performance of each channel and look at things like audience growth or look at things like impression numbers. I would challenge anyone listening to think about what is the tangible outcome you're driving through those efforts. So it is totally fine to look at those metrics, those more kind of surface level metrics. It's fine to look at those as indicators of success. It appears that we're moving in the right direction because we can see steady audience growth or we can see steady uh, reach numbers uh, on organic content. Obviously, you can buy whatever you want, uh, but we can see that those things are going up. I would challenge people to go one step further and say, and because of this, we contributed to this particular priority or we contributed to this particular outcome that we were after in terms of behavior change. It's a harder thing to measure, but it's so much more important and we'll build that credibility that we've all talked about so that when the next channel pops up, you've got the license to give an authorized perspective on whether we do or don't or whether that message does or doesn't go out there. And the metric side of it is your ticket to credibility. 
And just on that, Roger, I would say um, when, you, when you're thinking about strategies, um, everything should sort of align. So often if you're in an organization, there'll be a corporate plan or there'll be um, a really overarching big strategy um, for what your organization is trying to achieve. And so from that, then you might go down a level, there might be a strategic communication strategy or something else like that, which again ties to what your organization's goals are. And this sort of um, content strategy and and channel strategy should feed into that as well. So you're all trying to achieve the same things. And then at the end, when you're doing the the analysis of whether your strategy was, was successful, if you can tie it to organizational goals, it is so much more effective, especially you know, communicating internally and you're saying, yeah, we're actually, what we're doing is actually achieving what the organization is trying to do. Yeah, it's a good point, Tim. And make the case for any resources you might need, Tim. You know, if you can show that what you're working on is aligned to business outcomes and your team's struggling with the people or resources it needs to get things done, that's one of the best ways to do it. And um, I organized my own neat segue there because I'm quite keen to talk a little bit about Um, teams and skills and you know who you need to look after channels and um, channel strategy and is that different to the people writing content strategy and uh, um, I was excited to see the recent launch of the digital discipline operating model that's come out from the UK government the government communication service and it's got a recommended team structure for digital teams and uh, I haven't really seen that from a government Um, communication organization before so uh, I got sort of low-key excited about that but so the structure is um, they recommend a head of digital and then underneath that they recommend a head of audience which has um, data analysts and audience managers reporting in then a head of digital which has channel managers and managing and online editors reporting in and then head of content which has you know, photographers, videographers um, reporting in. So that's more, I think, online um, or rich media content, video, photo production, rather than perhaps the written word. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. They called out channel um, channel managers as, as a core part of digital team. Um, and, yeah, I wanted to open it up and have a bit of a chat about people and skills relating to this work. The first thing I'd say, Amanda, is... If for no other reason people should listen to this podcast because you've got people like yourself who nerd out on what the UK government is saying about the (laughs) digital structure of teams, this is where you're going to get it, people. Um, The the thing that I would say is I I agree with that in principle as what I would call a kind of narrow vertical structure. And what I'd say is what we've already talked about on this episode highlights the opportunity to go from getting that core structure right to actually influencing and permeating an organization. And that is that horizontal movement, which is around enablement of other teams. So I don't know where that particular role or responsibility sits or whether you've got like that kind of um, hub and spoke dotted line approach. So you are a center of excellence, what the UK Gov has described there. That's a center of excellence around how content is. uh, You you ideate, you uh, create, and you deliver that content, sure. And how do we get it across the organization so we're decentralizing and distributing responsibilities? And so for me, that would be a key role I'd add in around enablement and working with other teams, as Tim was saying before, to uh, to not just tell them what's happening, but get them on on the journey themselves. 
far be it for, for us to tell the um, autocracy of uh, the UK how to run their business. Um, but I believe it should be a hub and spoke model as well. You know, if we don't have that, then we're not going to get it um, right across uh, any sort of business. So, but it, it's it's not it's nice to hear that they're giving due consideration to you know heads of digital and content managers and what have you. And definitely, you know, within teams that I've run in the last probably. 12 years or so it's been working through that that model in some respects so it, it seems like a logical thing to do but again it's all about collaboration and let's not get hung up too much on the strategy it's critical it's important as a first step but really it's an evolutionary thing as we know in digital media it just continues to evolve so you've got to have that as a mindset as well I just liked it for the, I suppose, providing people with a bit of a framework of potential best practice and, um, you know, the model that you adopt really needs to work for your organisation and all of them will be so different and it'll depend on how they run um, other parts of operations and, you know, lots of universities have that model where each faculty is running its own show but aligned to a central um kind of center of excellence. And so that can work so well for other organizations, not so much, but, you know, I've, I've worked and led teams that are, you know, so small that if you work in digital communication, your job is like content manager or digital communication lead or, you know, and you have to do all of it. And so I really liked that, um, you know, there's a bit of deliberateness that's coming through the UK government's recommendations about allowing people to be data analysts, allowing them to be ed online editors, allowing them to create video and, and photo content and leverage the strengths uh, and those niche skills that together create something really great. And I think we do have a bit of an, an expectation that people who work in this space can do a lot of it. You know, at the moment, journalists are required to do absolutely everything to cover a story. And uh, it, they produce some great stuff, but that's a lot of pressure on one person to be able to, you know, have the skills and, and understanding and strategic nous to know all of it. Um, and so I, I liked that there's a bit of deliberateness here. Yeah, I think it's a good uh, place to leave it too, Amanda. It's uh, food for thought, definitely. Um, hope we've provided some indelible insights in, uh, through this podcast on, on creating a, a content and channel strategy. Remember that the channel, uh, the content strategy defines the channel strategy. That's the critical piece around it. Um, Rog, Amanda, Tim, thanks again. As always, uh, those listeners, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at the Government Digital Leaders Network. And we'll leave it there for today. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Catch ya. Thank you, Mark. Thanks again for listening. If you valued today's conversation, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others. For more details on today's show or to get in touch, head to gdln.card with two rs.co or Google Government Digital Leaders Network.